I'd like to finish this. I was kind of uh, debating uh, as, as, I was, as I was getting ready for what I, what I, would like to, what I was going to share tonight, uh, especially with the trip coming up. I didn't want to make it so that I put a bunch of gap between this. And so I just felt like uh, God gave me the, the comfort and the liberty to, to just finish out uh, the, the messages that we've been doing uh, really through Sunday mornings, uh, but the last couple weeks here, we've, we've extended them to Sunday night as well. And I, I wanted to finish the thought here that the Lord has put on my heart about this subject of, of abounding and to be a, the good steward and the faithful steward uh, that God desires us to be with our, our finances and our financial stewardship, the treasure that God has given to us. And we've used two key words, and with the second word, and well, really with both words, we've given you several thoughts. And so the first word that we used uh, was the word ownership. And we gave you several thoughts in connection with that. We said that God owns everything. We're to be a wise steward. One day we're going to have to give an account of all the ways that we have been a steward of the things that God has given to us. So he wants to reward us. We don't want cursings. We want blessings. We want God's rewards. And then we moved on to the word giving. And we gave you some Bible principles about giving. We said that giving should be sacrificial, so we should sacrificially give. And then we said giving should be systematic, so we should systematically give. And there's scriptures that obviously was supporting these things that we were saying. And we talked about some of that last Sunday morning and some last Sunday evening and then continued this morning as well. And then we talked about how that we ought to give willingly as well. Uh, and, 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 and it really, in connection to what we said this morning, uh, the being willing to give, we said that God commands the tithe. He commands the tithe. So that's not something where we, uh, that's something we just, uh, God expects us to be obedient in that way, but he still wants us to be willing. But then with the offerings and even sacrificial giving that we talked about this morning, God wants us to be a willing giver, not out of guilt but we're to be a willing giver. Then we talked about how we're to be cheerful in our giving. So we're giving cheerfully as well with joy in our hearts. Not only joy in our hearts that we uh, get to give something to God, but joy in our hearts as we've given the offering, knowing all that God allows us to keep, right? There's the rejoicing in our heart where we say, God, you allow me to keep this and to use this in ways to bring honor and glory to your name as well. And then we talked about how we are to give liberally as well. And that goes along with the idea there in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 where it says, He that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. So we're to give liberally as well. And then we gave God's Bible plan for giving. We said that he desires that we would give of the tithe. That's just expected, a gift of obedience, a tenth of everything that God has blessed us with. And by the way, it ought to be the first fruits of that. Not after the government gets their hand in all of it, but the first fruits of everything that God has given to us. And then also the idea of the offerings that God wants us to give. So above and beyond our tithes, we give offerings in addition to that. Saying, God, I know that you command and you require the 10%, but God, I want to give even above and beyond that and give offerings to the Lord. And then we talked about sacrificial giving as well. That's where faith comes in where we look at maybe the budget and say it doesn't always necessarily look like it's going to make sense, but we're putting our faith in God knowing that He will be able to provide for us so we give to a point where it's beyond even our ability to be able to give so that God can bless us. And that's where we talked about this morning how Faith Promise Missions comes in. Now, I know a lot of churches uh, will give in the offering and they will take out of the tithe the Faith Promise Missions. But I think God's Word very clearly tells us that there's a tie that's supposed to be given to meet the needs of the local church, but then outside the walls of the local church, there's missionaries that we can give to, and we give to them by faith. 
So we're fa it's a faith promise offering. We're promising to the Lord by faith, if you will meet our needs, we're trusting you for that, we'll be able to give above and beyond even our tithes and offerings to sacrificially give so that we can give to our missionaries and they can spread the, the gospel around our country and around the world as well. Now we talked about in our church here some of the financial needs we've had recently. We had that transmission go out and then right after the transmission went out we had a couple a problem with a couple of the tires that were on that and we had to get those fixed as well and then the air conditioning unit over here. So there are things that happen in obviously the work of the Lord where uh, God expects and commands even and uh, asks for voluntary gifts even on our end, a willingness and a cheerful heart that we would give to the work of the Lord. So let's be faithful with our giving. And let's continue to be faithful with our giving so that God can bless us. Well, that's what we're going to get about to get, get to tonight. I want to finish this this evening. And I've got two thoughts I want to share with you tonight. Number one, I want to talk about the Bible, what the Bible has to say as far as a purpose for giving. So what is a purpose for giving? We talked about some principles of giving. And then we talked about God's plan for giving. But what is the purpose of giving? What is the reason why we do this? I think we're going to get to see this in 1 Corinthians chapter number 9 here in just a moment, and a couple other Bible verses as well. And then I want to finish this message off tonight, Lord willing, as God will uh, enable me to finish this. I want to give you some Bible promises about giving, some Bible promises. Now, I made a statement this morning at the end of our message, especially for those that were in here this morning. I'll say it again. One of the that I gave to our discipleship class a couple weeks ago, I said this to them. Isn't it wonderful to be able to live according to Bible principles. When you live according to Bible principles, again, it takes out all of the stress and the worry of trying to figure out what to do. What do I do in life? Well, you don't have to worry about that. You just go to the Bible and you live by Bible principles. Well, that's what we mean when we're talking about the financial Bible principles. If we will live by those and just allow God to do the thinking for us, right? He's got the wisdom here. He's got the knowledge. He's already laid it out for us, right? We just follow what he's asked us to do. So some purposes, some Bible purposes for giving. I want to give you a couple of purposes or reasons behind why we give. And then I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6 here for just a moment to give us one of the reasons or purposes why God's word says that we are to give as far as within the walls of the local church. The first purpose that I jotted down, I thought, as I was preparing this message was this. We give because of obedience. Number one, one of the reasons for giving is because we want to be obedient. When you got saved, if, if this is true of you, I know it may not be true of everybody here tonight, so I'm not just assuming that, but if it's true of you, when you got saved, you knew, you, or you came to know, that one of the first steps of obedience was that you were to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. It probably wasn't long before you heard a message about that. Or maybe you heard a pastor get up and talk about it, and they said, in order to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ and in order to uh, picture his death and his burial and his resurrection, we are to obey him and follow the Lord in believer's baptism. And so what did we do when that step of obedience was told to us? We said, all right, well, I need to do that. That's something I need to do. I need to be baptized so that I can obey the instructions that God has given to me. Well, the same with giving. We are living in obedience when we are willing to give to the Lord because, again, with the tithe, he commands us to do that. He's expecting every Christian to do that, and so that means he's expecting our obedience, isn't he? Just like if we would tell a child something to do, we would expect them to listen, obey. If your boss would tell you something to do, you'd say, I think your boss would be expecting they're going to do 
what, what, as, as, as a master telling a servant what to do, they're going to do what they've been asked to do. Well, that's what God does. He's our master. We're his servant, right? We're a, just a steward. He's the owner of it all. We're just managing it. And he expects us to be wise with it. He expects, it to, he expects us to obey. So that's word number one. Bible purposes for giving. Number one, it's obedience. But here's a second reason why we, all, why, we need, why we need to give. Because giving shows not only our obedience, but I think it also shows our dependence on God. Obedience, or excuse me, uh, uh, giving shows our dependence on God. Have you ever had times where you were faithful in your tithes and offering and your giving, and it got you to a place where you realized, if I'm going to give this, I'm going to have to depend upon God to be able to meet my needs. I'm going to have to depend upon this God that's a great God. Oh, what a mighty God we have. He's given me everything. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He has the wealth in every mine, as the song says. And so I know he can take care of my needs, but isn't it wonderful when we give to the Lord, it's a way for us to show that we are dependent upon him. We need him, don't we? We need him to take care of our needs. We need him to provide us the health and the strength to go to work the next day to get for that week the next paycheck, don't we? And so we learn dependence upon the Savior. Let's be dependent upon God. One of the ways that you'll show your dependence upon God is when you give. And I think that's one of the reasons why God wants us to give. Number one, so that we can show obedience. But number two, so that we get to be dependent upon Him. But then number three, there's a word, I think, that helps us to understand the reasons why we need to give. Number three, the word priority. God must be a priority in our lives. He must have the preeminence, as the Bible says. He is to get the preeminence. He has to have priority. He has to have first place. You say, all right, well, how am I showing that God has the priority when I give? Well, because when he gives to you, you're giving from the very top of all of that to him first, aren't you? You're making him the priority. Before husbands have bought something for their wife, before parents have bought, bought something for their children, before we have bought something for our own selves, before we've gone out and bought the groceries, before we've gone out and paid the utility bills, we say, or the mortgage, or whatever it is, we say, God, I, you are the priority. I'm going to take out what you have given to me this week of the first fruits of what you've given to me. I'm going to lay it aside. Again, that goes back to the thought of dependence. We're obeying him. We're dependent upon him. But he's the priority. He gets first place so that we give to him first and foremost. One of the purposes of giving so that God would be the priority in our lives. But there's another purpose for giving, and this is where 1 Corinthians comes in. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, if you would look down there with me at 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, I want you to look at verse number 11. These are God's words now here again through Paul the, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Paul is speaking here to the church of Corinth. And by the way, if you know anything about 1 Corinthians, he's trying to encourage the, the church of Corinth because they are very carnal, aren't they? And what is true about the church of Corinth? They need instruction, don't they? They need instruction. They need to know how to live because they're very carnal Christians. They're not doing some things right. And he's trying to help them to do some things right. So he's saying that God's plan for the local church is that we are to take our money, we're to give it to the work of the Lord, and we're to give it to those who are laboring in the ministry for us. Notice what the Bible says here. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. And look with me, if you would, at verse number 11. So 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 11. He said, if we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? So what is Paul saying about those who are working in the ministry? He says, we are sowing to you spiritually, 
And he said, so as a result of that, you are going to sow to us so that we can reap some carnal things as well. He's saying that as the ones who are in the ministry are laboring in the work of the Lord and laboring in the work of the ministry, part of the reason why we give to the church is to be able to support and meet the needs of those who are laboring in the work of the Lord and laboring in the ministry. So they are giving to you spiritually, and then you say, all right, carnally speaking, we're going to give to them so that their needs can be met because they are laboring in the work of the Lord. Look down with me, if you would, at verse number 14. So 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 14. Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. So the idea here, he's saying that there is something here that the Lord has ordained. The Lord has ordained something. And what is it that he has ordained? That they which live the go- excuse me, that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. What he's saying there is the idea is that if somebody is going to labor for you in the word of God, and they're going to prepare lessons, and they're going to prepare messages, and they're going to give it to you, then their needs are to be taken care of by those that are in the church. There are several other principles he gives here in the word of God. Look at Galatians chapter 6, if you would. Galatians chapter 6, and remember we've been memorizing some verses here from Galatians chapter 6. Notice what it says in Galatians chapter 6, and then down there in verse number 1. I'm sorry, verse number 6. So Galatians 6, 6. It says this, Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Now, again, we're trying to stay within the context of the verse so that we understand what he's saying. He's saying, all right, there are individuals who get up and they teach you in the Word. And when they have taught you in the Word and they have labored to, again, prepare lessons, prepare messages, to work in the work of the ministry. Because, by the way, that's what the Bible says in the book of Ephesians. That he gave some pastors, he gave some teachers, he gave some evangelists. And what does it say? For the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. And can I say this about the work of the ministry? There's a lot of work that needs to be done in the ministry. There's a lot of work that goes into the ministry. And so the doors of God's house are not just open and everything just magically done. There's a lot of work that goes into the work of the ministry, a lot of labor. Well, he says here in Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 6, if you're going to be taught in the word, then God has designed it in such a way where we are to communicate Unto him that teacheth in all good things. Now the idea of that word communicate there in verse number 6 has the idea of sharing with those who have ministered to you in the word spiritually with things that are material. So we are to take what we have materially and give into the church so that the needs of those who are laboring for us in the ministry can be taken care of. These are the words that God says here. Now turn with me if you would to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5, and look with me, if you would, at verse number 17. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse number 17. And he's going to give a verse that I think we'll, all, we'll put all of this together here so that we certainly thoroughly would understand this before we move on to, from this. Verse number 17. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Now, when he uses that word elders there, there's several different ways in which the Bible uses a word to describe a pastor. And so one of those words that the Scripture describes to use as a word for the pastor in the New Testament or Bible is the word elder. 
Now, I realize that there are some churches that kind of take that out of context and they feel like there ought to be something in addition to a pastor in a church. But that's not what he's saying here. He's using the word elder to describe a role or some of the uh, demands that would be part of the ministry of a pastor and what God has given him to do in a local church. Well, he said, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Now, notice this, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. So he's saying there's uh, pastors who, who labor in the word and they're putting a lot of labor and a lot of time and a lot of effort into the word of God and into, I, I like how he uses the word doctrine there. You say, well, what, what, what would we mean when we think of the word doctrine? When we see the word doctrine there, a lot of times it just talks about how that we are taught. Doctrine is that word that describes the fact that we are taught. So pastors will spend some time preaching. They'll spend some time teaching. But again, it's not something just all of a sudden takes place. It's something that you have to labor in and you have to take time to study and you have to take time to prepare to get it done. So he gives a, what we would say is a physical or an earthly illustration to help us with this. Look at what he says in verse number 18. Again, I think this verse will put it all together so that we all understand it. Look at verse 18. For the scripture saith, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn and the laborer is worthy of his reward. Now again, putting all of this together to see what God is trying to teach us, he's trying to say that one of the purposes or reasons why we give of our offering is to support the local church. Now part of supporting the local church is supporting not only the church as a whole, but supporting and being a blessing to the leaders of the church as well. So that they can be able to have some material blessings for all of the spiritual blessings that they are ministering to individuals in their lives and in their families and in our church as a whole in the lives of others. So it's provision for the ministry, but giving to the local church is also provision for laborers who are laboring in the word of God. And the Bible says they're worthy of that. So he uses an illustration here. He uses an illustration of an ox. And what is an ox doing working out in the field? Or what is an ox doing? He's working out in the field, isn't he? And what is he doing when he works out in the field? He's helping out in the field, right? So the farmer realizes, I can't do it by myself. I need the animals to help me. So if the animal is laboring, then what does he say? He's saying, do not put a muzzle over his mouth. Because if he is laboring for you, you're not to try to cover his mouth so that he cannot benefit from what's in the field that he is laboring to gather for you. Does that make sense? So a, an earthly illustration or a material illustration that we can understand, he's saying if somebody is laboring for you, you need to, he uses the word communicate. In scripture, he used the word communicate. We need to share financially so that the work of the church can be done, all the ministries of the church, and those who are are leading us and guiding us and ministering to us in the word so that they can be provided for as well. And then one last purpose or reason for our giving. So we would say that it demonstrates our obedience. It also demonstrates our dependence upon God. If we're going to give, we've got to depend upon him. We've got to trust him. We're going to live by faith. If we're going to give, he is the priority because we make him, we give to him the first fruits. And then the idea of support in the church, and for the leaders of the church as well. But the last idea that I believe that the Lord gave to my heart when I thought about reasons why God wants us to give is for the purpose of worship as well, for the purpose of worship. See, sometimes people get this thing about worship all mixed up. They feel like worship is something that they are to receive. 
oh, I come into the church, and if I'm truly worshiping the Lord, I should have received something when I came out. No, it's not about receiving something. Worship is about giving. And when we give our worship to God, we are giving to Him what He rightfully deserves, right? So it's not about us walking away from the church and saying, man, I received a whole bunch of blessings today. No, it was I was able to give so that I could be a blessing and so that I could show that God is worthy of all of that. And I tried to give to Him that which He deserves and all honor and praise goes to Him. One of the ways that we worship, of course, is in our offering. And you'll probably hear me talk about that a lot. I've said that a lot. That one of the parts of our worship is giving in the offering. We're giving back to God what already belongs to Him and really only a portion of what He has already given to us and what already belongs to Him. So what a blessing that we get to worship Him as well. Now the last thought, and I'll finish with this. I want to share with you real quickly some Bible promises for giving. So if we are going to give, God gives us some promises. So we told you how God wants us to give. We gave you some principles. We told you His plan for giving and different types of ways in which we are to give. And then we talked about some purposes or some reasons why we give. And now some promises that God gives to us. Number one, He promises blessings. God promises blessings. Now I don't know about you, but that sounds good to me. If a God who owns everything is promising me blessings, I want to take Him up on it. And he says this, I'm going to go back to some verses that I told you we would read later today. All right, we told you we'd come back to these. I want you to real quickly, if you want to take the time to turn there, I trust you will, Proverbs chapter number 3. Proverbs chapter number 3, and I'm going to read verse 9, but then I'd like to really concentrate on verse number 10. Uh, verse number 9, and then concentrating on verse number 10. It says this, honor the Lord with, this, with, with uh, thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Now, if we're going to do that, then God says, I've got a great blessing for you. Here's what his blessings are. Notice this, verse 10. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. What's he saying here? He's saying if you're going to be willing to give, I am going to promise you blessings. Now look with me if you would at Malachi. I told you I'd go back to Malachi a little later today. We said we'd do that. Malachi chapter 3. And look with me, if you would, at verse number 10. So Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 10. Now this is the passage of Scripture where God tells to them, you've robbed me. We, he says, well, where have we robbed you? Well, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. He said, so I need you to get to a place where if you don't want to be cursed with a curse and you want the blessings of God, that you bring all the tithes into the storehouse. And it says in verse number 10, watch this now, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and prove me now herewith. Now, when we see that word prove there, we know the idea that God is trying to say there is, is test me. Put me to the test. Hey, if you put God to the test, he'll always be able to come through, won't he? You put me to the test, he, he says. Now, that goes back to one of the purposes or reasons why we give. What do we say the purpose or the reason why we gave was? Because it teaches us dependence. See, I'm dependent upon God. And when I'm dependent upon God, I'm willing to give, saying, God, I can trust you. I know you'll keep your word. And notice what he says here. Now, I, listen, I, I'll be honest with you. I'd like to take God up on this. I really would. Look what he says here. He says, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Here's the promise that God gives. If you give, he says, I will have blessings for you. Would you look with me real quick at the Gospel of Luke? Luke chapter 6, and look down at verse number 38 if you would. Luke chapter 6 and verse number 38, here's another promise of God's blessings. Luke chapter 6 
And verse number 38, it says this, Give and it shall be given unto you. If you give, he says, I'll return and I'll give to you. This is Jesus speaking during his earthly ministry. He says, good measure. Notice the application of the illustration he gives to us here. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. So what is he saying? Is the idea of, uh, of, 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 of filling a cup up. And then you say, I've got it filled up to the very max. Well, I'm going to press it down a little bit. And then I'm going to shake it so that all that air, that dead space gets out. And then I'm going to sit it down. Well, wait a minute. Now there's room for more. So now I'm going to pour it in. And now it's going to even start running over. That's the blessings that God wants to give to you. So here's the idea. Here's the idea tonight when it comes to God's blessings. God is going to bless in proportion to your giving. Did you notice that? Give and it shall be given unto you. So in proportion to your giving, God wants to bless you. And I've got an encouragement for you tonight. I know you've heard this statement many a time, but it rings true. You cannot outgive God. You will never be able to outgive God. He says, you give and it shall be given to you. We'll never be able to outgive God. And God says, I have blessings that is awaiting you. There's a statement I came across as I was studying for this message, and I want to read it to you real quick. Just a short statement. It says this. It says that this verse, Luke chapter 6 and verse number 38, gives us this idea or this illustration. The statement was this, that God shovels in as I shovel out. So God gives to us as we are able to give. But here's the, the finish of the statement. But God has a bigger shovel. God has a bigger shovel, doesn't he? So he shovels in as we shovel out, but God's shovel is bigger, isn't it? You cannot outgive God. Would you look at Acts chapter 20 for just a moment? Acts chapter 20. Now I know this morning and this evening we have looked at a lot of scripture. I mean to tell you what, you've navigated through your Bible today and it has been a lot of scripture. But look at Acts chapter 20. We've got two more verses to look at tonight and we're finished. Acts chapter 20 and verse number 35. Let's notice what it says here. Acts 20 and verse number 35. It says this. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give, and we could finish it, couldn't we? We know what it says, than to receive. Now, I don't know if you're, if you're, if you're like me on this one. I think that most of us probably are. Isn't there something special about the joy that you have in your heart when you're able to give somebody something and you're able to watch them receive it? Man, it's something special. Now, I know everybody's reactions are a little bit different when you give a, a something to somebody, but just the joy that you get to see on somebody's eyes and in their face when you get to give them something, they've received it. Isn't it true what God says? It's more blessed to give than to receive. And here's the idea. God has blessings that he wants to give us. But hold on a minute. We can't always look at those blessings and saying, well, does that mean it's going to be money every time? God's not promising that everything he gives in return to you that is a blessing is going to be uh, money. He's not promising that it's always going to be that. But would you agree with me that there are many blessings that God could give to you that money could not possibly buy? There are blessings that God has in store for those who give that money could not possibly buy. Man, I'm so thankful I could rattle off a list of things that I have that are not money at all, not in the form of money at all, but all the blessings that God has given to me. And I truly believe it's in response to how we're able to give to Him. So when you give, 
Here's what the Bible's trying to teach us. Oh, what a great thought here tonight. When you give, you are putting yourself in a position. You have placed yourself in a position to receive God's blessings. Man, that is good. You have placed yourself in a position or a place where you're going to get to receive God's blessings as you give. Someone once said this about giving a tithe to the Lord. And I think it speaks to what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks as far as being faithful in our financial stewardship. They said this. They said, it's far better to live on 90% with God's blessings than to try to live on 100% without them. You think about that tonight. You give to the Lord and yes, you've got that 90% left over. But you're doing that with the blessings of God. And God wants to reward your faithfulness and the blessing that you are as you give to the work of the Lord. So number one, we said His promises for giving are blessings. But number two, His promises for giving are the fact that needs will be met. Needs will be met. And I think in our church, we would have to agree that we want to see the needs of the ministry met. We want to be able to see the Bible clubs go on. We want to see the buses go out of the church parking lot every Sunday morning, don't we? We want to see the lights on in the building and the air conditioning and the heat on when it's supposed to be and the van with fuel in it and the supplies around the church building that are needed to be able to keep the work of the Lord going on. We want to see all of these things, don't we? We want to see our needs met. Well, this is the last verse I'll have you look at. It's in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 19, but i got to be careful here because we want to make sure we don't take this verse out of context. Because sometimes people can take this verse out of context and they can say, well, God's promised here. He's going to make sure that all of my needs are supplied. And yes, he does promise that, but we got to notice what the context of the passage is. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, he says this, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Here, here's what he's saying. He's saying your needs are going to be met. But if you'll study Philippians chapter 4 and you'll study what Paul is speaking here in context of the scripture, he is basing this statement on God's response to the giving of God's people. Now remember, we could go back to uh, 2 Corinthians. Remember what we said about 2 Corinthians chapter number 8? What do we say about those Macedonian churches? We said that they gave... And they had great trials they were going through, but yet they still had joy. Do you remember that? And then we also said that they were in deep poverty, but yet they gave liberally. Do you know what one of those churches was that he was describing there in 2 Corinthians chapter 8? It was the church of Philippi. That was one of the churches he was describing because the church of Philippi did so much to financially meet the needs of Paul. And Paul said, because you gave... God is going to supply all of your needs. Now, I don't know that we have one of us. I don't know that there's one of us sitting here tonight that would not say that God has taken care of our needs. Now, we may not have all of our wants. You know, I would I think about some of these children, some of the children that are in here tonight. They might not have everything you say, as a child, I want to have. As adults, we might not say we have everything we want to have. But isn't it great to know that we can be content with the fact that God has met all of our needs above and beyond. Because the Bible teaches us in the New Testament of our Bible, it teaches us the only things that we even need to be content are food and clothing. That's all that we need to be content. And wouldn't you agree with me? God's given us far above that. So what happens when we give? The promises of God. Number one, he gives blessings. But then number two, he says, I'm going to meet all of your needs. And the last one tonight is maybe perhaps one of the most important. The promise that God gives is this, that when you give, you are investing in eternity. When you give, you are investing in eternity. You're investing in a work 
that God has caused you to give to that will bring blessings here and blessings throughout all of eternity. It'll bring blessings here and blessings throughout all of eternity. You are investing in eternity when you give. The Bible refers to it this way. It is spiritual fruit to our account. Now, I'm about ready to visit some of our missionaries that are out there in Cambodia. Those men, Brother Lomer De La Cruz that we support there in Cambodia, Brother Boon Thong Eng that we support there in Cambodia, they've seen perhaps scores of individuals. When I read their missionary letters, I know they see scores of individuals that are saved. That is fruit to our account because we are giving to the work of those men in Cambodia so that they can be able to give the gospel to individuals that we are not able to go do that to for. We're not able to go there. Uh, God hasn't called us to go there. We're, we're trying to, we're trying to uh, give the gospel out in our area. But they're able to give it out in Cambodia as they receive the money that we've given and it's spiritual fruit to our account. So it not only is the idea that we are giving to the church, but you've got to catch this tonight. God wants to bless us not only because we're giving to the church, but we're giving through the church as well. See, we're giving through our church outside the walls of our church so that we can meet the needs of all the missionaries in our country and then we can meet the needs of all the missionaries outside of our country as well. So the church is what God uses to reach people with the gospel and he does it in two ways. He does it through the means of the ministries of the local church but then he does it through the work of missionaries outside of the local church as well. And as we have given... We are investing in eternity. Let me ask you, as our church is about to celebrate 38 years of ministry, how many souls have been saved because of this church? Just scores of souls that have been saved because of this church. All because God's people are saying, I'm going to invest in eternity. I'm going to keep the lights on in the, the building like it should be by giving to the Lord. Remember we said, God has instituted the home and the government, and the church, and he has Bible principles of how every one of them are to be financed. God does not, his word never says anything about financing the local church through a fundraiser. You know, fundraisers or things individuals do, that's fine. That's all, that's all okay. But God doesn't say the church is supposed to be financed that way. It's to be through the, 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 the giving of those that are part of the church, and then the work of the Lord can get done. And then we got the promises of God there. So what are the reasons why God wants us to give? Well, it proves our obedience. It helps us to be dependent upon Him. It's a priority. We're putting Him first. Then we're supporting the work of the Lord. And then the, those that are laboring in the work of the Lord as well. And then it's a form of worship as we give to the Lord. And then those Bible promises for giving as well. He says, there's blessings. I'm going to meet your needs. And then he says that we are investing in the souls of men and women and boys and girls for all of eternity. And I don't know about you, but I'm interested in doing that. Man, I'm interested in investing in eternity.